Hello friends, Shakespeare fans, Shakespeare curious, this is Jake of Jake J. Thomas Photo, becoming Shakespeare on Instagram, bringing you another segment of the Changing the Conversation series where I read Shakespeare's sonnets and try to figure out what the heck they're saying. The saga of unrequited love continues uh, the persona of these poems has gone from exaltation to dejection back to the middle gradually he's working his way through a set of hard feelings that are derived from his beloved being with other people jealousy it's a wicked emotion and in the sonnets Shakespeare delves deeply into what that feeling is and also how to overcome it the cure for jealousy is cuckoldry no, I'm just kidding, but kind of. I mean, that's what the poems suggest. Not really just cuckoldry, but kind of a generosity of spirit and a non-attachment to the physical being. And also just a higher duty, a higher service to poetry to art we are now at sonnet 61 if you're following along you can find these sonnets online at Folgers Shakespeare um, it's a resource that has all the plays all the sonnets it's all online for free so you can check it out there if you want to read Otherwise, you can just listen along, and I'm going to do my best to parse out some of the meanings in these five poems today. Sonnet 61 Is it thy will thy image should keep open my heavy eyelids to the weary night? Dost thou desire my slumbers should be broken? while shadows like to thee do mock my sight? Is it thy spirit that thou sendst from thee so far from home into my deeds to pry, to find out shames and idle hours in me, the scope and tenor of thy jealousy? Oh no, thy love, though much, is not so great. It is my love that keeps mine eyes awake, mine own true love that doth my rest defeat to play the watchman ever for thy sake for thee watch I whilst thou dost wake elsewhere from me far off with others all too near okay and so this is you know the persona goes back and forth between you know purely passive 
idolatry worshiping the image of the beloved to sometimes taking a dig sometimes a little bit of that resentment ekes out in this case the poem sets up this happening with the question as to whether or not it's the beloved's love that keeps the poet awake at night but he says no it's not your love is mine and admits his own jealousy in that there's perhaps a subtle disclosing of the wish that their beloved would feel jealous but instead they are getting busy with somebody else sonnet 61 is it thy will thy image should keep open my eyelids to the weary night dost thou desire my slumbers should be broken while shadows like to thee do mock my sight is it thy spirit that thou sinst from thee so far from home into my deeds to pry to find out shames and idle hours in me the scope and tenor of thy jealousy oh no thy love though much is not so great it is my love that keeps mine eye awake mine own true love that doth my rest defeat to play the watchman ever for thy sake for thee watch i whilst thou dost wake elsewhere from me far off with others all too near we're deep in the throes of jealousy here become a very uncomfortable spot for the poet we'll see how they resolve it sonnet 62 sin of self-love possess possess that's a tricky one sin of self-love possesseth all mine eye and all my soul and all my every part and for this sin there is no remedy it is so grounded inward in my heart methinks no face so gracious is as mine no shape so true no truth of such account and for myself mine own worth do define as i all other in all worths surmount but when my glass shows me myself indeed beaded and chopped with tanned antiquity mine own self-love quite contrary i read self so self-loving were iniquity tis thee myself that for myself i praise painting my age with beauty of thy days now this is an interesting turn because in the in the previous poem begins with the question is it your love that keeps me up at night is it your jealousy that causes me to feel such painful things and but you know during our discord 
But no, it's not your love. It's mine. My love is the powerful one. My love is the true one. Yours is great, but not that great. And so in this instance, it's interesting because he is praising the beloved, but then also cutting them down to size as far as their ability to love. They can elicit the feelings of love. They can evoke attractive responses from people. But are they true? And now the poet turns to this idea that the real love that is being expressed is a self-love. And it's the love of the poet and the muse. And the subject is important, but inferior. In other words, through building up the love object, the love interest, what the poet is really doing is building themselves up. Sonnet 62. Sin of self-love possesseth all mine eye, and all my soul, and all my every part. And for this sin there is no remedy. It is so grounded inward in my heart. Methinks no face so gracious is as mine, no shape so true, no truth of such account, and for myself mine own worth do define, as I all other in all worths surmount. But when my glass shows me myself indeed, beaded and chopped with tanned antiquity, mine own self-love quite contrary I read. Self, so self-loving, were iniquity. Tis thee, myself, that for myself I praise, painting my age with beauty of thy days. What about this section here? Myself, mine own worth do define, as I and all other worths surmount. But when my glass shows me myself indeed, beaded and chopped with tanned antiquity, my own self-love quite contrary I read. Self, so self-loving, were iniquity. So he is... And this is an interesting technique of shifting the credit to himself, but doing so in a way that seems like it's actually a a bad thing. It's a sin of self-love. Self-loving were iniquity. And yet, it's the reclamation of that power. Sonnet 62. Sin of self-love possesseth all mine eye, and all my soul, and all my every part. And for this sin there is no remedy. It is so grounded inward in my heart. Methinks no face so gracious is as mine, no shape so true, no truth of such account, and for myself mine own worth do define, 
as I all other and all worths surmount. But when my glass shows me myself indeed, beaded and chopped with tanned antiquity, mine own self-love quite contrary I read. Self so self-loving were iniquity. Tis thee myself that for myself I praise, painting my age with beauty of thy days. Siri. Hey, Siri. Hey, Siri. Mm-hmm. Define iniquity. Iniquity means immoral or grossly unfair behavior. Yeah, so he is... Thank you, Siri. He is... Um, Suggesting that what he's doing is not good. Okay, Sonnet 63. Against my love shall be, as I am now, with time's injurious hand crushed and o'erworn, when hours have drained his blood and filled his brow with lines and wrinkles, when his youthful morn hath traveled on to age's steepy night, and all those beauties whereof now he's king are vanishing, or vanished out of sight, stealing away the treasure of his spring. For such a time do I now fortify against confounding age's cruel knife, that he shall never cut from memory my sweet love's beauty though my lover's life. His beauty shall in these black lines be seen, and they shall live, and he in them still green. Okay, so there's a return to the idea of poetry as an archive of beauty, as a way to preserve the thing that is sure to perish. And he's drawing a comparison. He's saying, hey, I'm... I'm older now. When I look in the mirror, my self-love seems iniquitous. It seems immoral because I'm old, weathered. And yet, I can't stop loving myself because that's the ground of my love. That's the source of it all. And now he's suggesting that, as all humans will, his beloved will follow the same path from beauty to rugged, aged qualities. And in doing so, he will transform, and yet, because the poet is writing about their beloved during this time of their prime, and fastening their attributes to this poetic collection that there there's a way to save the beauty of the beloved. Sonnet 63 Against my love shall be as I am now with time's injurious hand crushed and o'erworn when hours have drained his blood and filled his brow with lines and wrinkles, when his youthful morn 
hath traveled on to ages steepy night. And all those beauties whereof now he's king are vanishing or vanished out of sight. Stealing away the treasure of his spring, for such a time do I now fortify against confounding age's cruel knife that he shall never cut from memory. My love's, my sweet love's beauty, though my lover's life. His beauty shall in these black lines be seen, and they shall live, and he in them still green. Sonnet 64 When I have seen by time's fell hand defaced the rich proud cost of outworn buried age, when sometime lofty towers I see down raised, and brass eternal slave to mortal rage, when I have seen the hungry ocean gain advantage on the kingdom of the shore, and the firm soil win of the watery main, increasing store with loss and loss with store. When I have seen such interchange of state, or state itself confounded to decay, ruin hath taught me thus to ruminate, that time will come and take my love away. This thought is as a death which cannot choose but weep to have that which it fears to lose. So again, there's this extended meditation on the power of time to take away that which it has built. And in this case, beyond just making somebody old and battered, it's also that death will be the final part of that process. And the inevitability of loss of loved ones through death is the theme. Sonnet 64 When I have seen by time's fell hand defaced One second. When I have seen by time's fill hand defaced. Okay, let me see. Might have to. No, I'm going to finish this up. When I have seen by time's fell hand defaced the rich, proud cost of outworn, buried age. When sometime lofty towers I see run. I could pause this. I'll edit this part out. All right. Sonnet sixty four. When I have seen by time's fell hand defaced. The rich proud cost of outworn buried age. When sometime lofty towers I see down raised, and brass eternal slave to mortal rage. When I have seen the hungry ocean gain, 
advantage on the kingdom of the shore and the firm soil win of the watery main increasing store with loss and loss with store when i have seen such interchange of state or state itself confounded to decay ruin hath taught me thus to ruminate that time will come and take my love away this thought is as a death which cannot choose but weep to have that which it fears to lose sonnet 65 since brass nor stone nor earth nor boundless sea but sad mortality sways their power how with this rage shall beauty hold a plea whose action is no stronger than a flower well, how shall summer's honey breath hold out against the rackful siege of battering days when rocks impregnable are not so stout nor gates of steel so strong but time decays O oh, fearful meditation where alack shall time's best jewel from time's chest lie hid or what strong hand can hold his swift foot back or who his spoil of beauty can forbid o none unless this miracle have might that in my black ink my love may still shine bright another version of the meditation of time as the thing that takes and poetry as the thing that saves and uh there's the realization that everything everything is subject to time's decom decomposition sonnet 65 since brass nor stone nor earth nor boundless sea but sad mortality or sways their power how with this rage shall beauty hold a plea whose action is no stronger than a flower oh how shall summer's honey breath hold out against the rackful siege of battering days when rocks impregnable are not so stout nor gates of steel so strong but time decays o fearful meditation where alack shall time's best jewel from time's chest lie hid or what strong hand can hold his swift foot back or who his spoil of beauty can forbid o none unless this miracle have might that in black ink my love may still shine bright So there we have a sequence of sonnets. It begins with feelings of jealousy and dejection and accepting that the beloved will be unfaithful, will not be true. And that revelation leads to the idea that the poet is actually superior to their beloved and that it actually is self-love that's being enacted through this projection onto their beloved.
which then continues to in a kind of self-deprecatory manner to suggest that that's maybe not as noble as he wishes it were but there's a battle there's a poetic battle that's happening between a poet and time and the poet is attempting to do something miraculous to conquer time or at least to create some very strong dam against time's destructive force all right well i hope that you enjoyed listening to a little bit of poetry today this is jake of jake j thomas photo and this has been another episode of the changing the conversation podcast where i read shakespeare's sonnets and figure out what the heck they mean till next time hope you have a great beautiful wonderful happy healthy day wherever you are thanks for listening peace